Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I wanted a career in which everything would matter. So I joined the CIA and now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit cia.gov slash careers to learn more and apply. And what's up, everybody? Welcome in. It is GC Live Thursday episode of the show as we count down the days until South Carolina versus Vanderbilt this Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, williams Bryce Stadium, of course. And uh, this show is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. I'll tell you a little bit more about Clint later on. But uh, before that, we're going to go ahead and bring him in, our special guest today, he is Chris Lee from VandySports.com. Chris, uh, we appreciate the time, man. How, how are you today? You bet. It's good to join you guys. Hope you're well. We are great, man. Get, getting ready for this game. Uh, midway through, uh, you know, the grind of another season. Um, tell us, I, I guess, first and foremost, uh, what, what is the first thing we should know about this Vandy program right now? Obviously, uh, you know, Clark Lee trying, much like Shane Beamer, trying to, steer a ship in the right direction that there's probably I imagine lots of things that are going to have to happen to get it moving that way we've seen that with South Carolina as well right now um but what's the first thing a Gamecock fan needs to know about this Vandy team and program well look um you guys know about the rebuild you know about the morale you went through a lot of the same stuff that I went through covering a team a year ago a coaching search um just and all the stuff that goes with that right it's it's not just um, that the season's not gone well, it's it's the morale, it's the, the guys leaving, all the things that you guys have probably talked about at nauseam. Well, let's look at it this way, okay? Um, at least Carolina won some games last year, right, including a blowout of Vanderbilt in Nashville. Um, Vanderbilt still has not won an SEC game this year. It's lost the two it's played, 104 to nothing, and Carolina is, what, an 18-point favorite or whatever, which is pretty close to what I had guessed I've been saying for weeks is people circled the the Carolina game as a possible win. It was kind of like, well, let's, let's hit the brakes a minute. Carolina is a lot better team than Vanderbilt is. I've seen them play several times. Uh, they can do some things defensively, you know, not against Georgia or, or maybe a team like Tennessee that that's really got a good offense that's clicking, but they can do a lot more things than Vanderbilt can. I mean, I think you guys know what it's like. You know the struggles Carolina has had, and, and yet Carolina enters this game what an like I said, an eighteen or nineteen point favorite over Vanderbilt. I think that tells you most of what you need to know. 
Yeah, Chris, thanks for joining us again, man. Always good to have you. And by the way, see your Braves. What is that? A Braves blanket in the background. So yes. the trifecta of Braves fans here, future World Series champs. Yeah. So we're all excited. Um, but yeah, thanks again for coming on, man, uh, especially on short notice. So how did things get here? Like Clark Lee, obviously, like you said, like Shane Beamer, Beamer in, in year one, in a rebuild. Um but it wasn't that long ago that Vanderbilt was at, at kind of maybe its height. You're much more of a Vandy historian than I am, but you know, nine games or so under, under James Franklin that they were able to accomplish doing some things in recruiting. Obviously, it went poorly at the end of the Mason tenure, which is why he's no longer there. But how did things get here for Vandy to where they're, they're scratching and clawing you know, to beat UConn, which we saw this year? I think any time you talk Vanderbilt, you have to wind the clock back 60 years. At around 1916, they made a decision as a university that they were not going to support football at the level that other schools around them were supporting it. And the decision that they made at the time was they're not going to fund scholarships the way that the rest of the league funds them. Right now, right now they give their full 85, and that's at this point, that part's irrelevant. But what it did is it set them on a course for that time where they had a horrible decade. It continued into the 70s. And I think that was a good indicator of the way that school was going to value football for the next 60 years and in some ways still does. Look, this is a brutal league. You can go all in and still get embarrassed on Saturday because there are tons of good programs in this league. You look at the facilities that has been discussed ad nauseum. I know a lot of Carolina fans have been to that stadium and seen it for itself. It's easily the worst one in the league. Um, They've had, what, three or four winning seasons in the SEC, maybe five I've lost count in the last 60 years. Uh, They've only had a half dozen or so overall. Um, And I know James Franklin's tenure by Vanderbilt standards wasn't that long ago, but I think what he did – was an aberration, um, you know, probably some breaks in there with the non-conference schedule and some other stuff. And I'm taking nothing away from James. He did a phenomenal job, but that was the exception to the rule. Um, the school is talking a lot about committing to athletics and putting money into it and their facilities plans. I've talked to people this week that say what they've seen is impressive, but people will tell you they've seen plans at Vanderbilt before. They've heard the words. Uh, Derek Mason was promising kids that they were going to play in a new stadium. Well, nothing's happened. And so I think before you analyze a coaching staff, you have to know there's a culture there at the school where they have not valued football at the level that they should value it at. You look at the things that the kids go through. We had Ken Seals on our podcast this week. We have him on every week. He's their starting quarterback. And I just asked Ken an innocent question about what's his schedule like. And he went through it. I said, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? And he said about five to six typically during the year. Sometimes last year it was two. Well, I would have to think that other players at SEC schools are getting eight, maybe 10 hours sleep. I mean, it's hard to operate if you're anybody, much less a football player, with that kind of level of workload. And they don't have priority scheduling for the kids. They're having to miss time, you know, sometimes at practice because labs they can only take at one time. And I think as you get further into your career as a Vanderbilt player, you start going, hey, we're not winning games, and the one thing I'm going to have a value is that diploma. So your focus tends to wane from what you're doing on the field 
and go towards what you can control in the rest of your life. I just think it's a toxic mix for the school. Uh, the president has made a lot of overtures about changing it. My question is, is he going to have the guts to fight the battles that you need to fight on that campus with academia to really get it turned around? Even if they do the facility stuff and they're throwing out um, $300 million privately, I've heard 350 uh, and, and frankly, that's just going to get them caught up to where the rest of the league was 10 or 20 years ago. So you throw in that, you throw in the stuff that the kids go through at that school, you go through uh, games where you got 5,000 of your fans in the building and 25 of somebody else's. That kills morale when you take the field. It is just one list of things after another. And I don't think the coaching staff this year has done a great job, but just the stuff we know coming into the season about what you have to fight um, is, is good enough to sink a program, throw in a place where the talent is as low as I've seen it in 15 or 20 years, and that's where they are. Let's, uh, I've got two questions about Ken Sills, uh, Chris. First of all, um, you know, the, the, the NIL era is something we're all um, kind of navigating. All the different media platforms, I guess, are navigating it in their own ways. We're in it a little bit at Gamecock Central as well. What, what has that been like for you? Um, to, to have that access, uh, I, I know you obviously. I'm assuming that that's an NIL deal that you're getting mm-hmm. to talk with them uh, once a week. Uh, what, what what has that been like to navigate that, and then to have uh, you know some access for your your readers and listeners to to hear from the QB one on one every week, man? He he's been great. He comes from a great family. He's a good kid. Um, he's he's a really strong academic kid. He came to Vandy as an information systems major. I don't know that he's going to continue that. I think that's a minor for him now. But the Vanderbilt experience to him meant more than just the football. I mean, he did get to jump in and start from the first game of his freshman season on. But I I just think that he's a kid who's responsible. He's a leader on that team. Uh, He he speaks well. He speaks honestly, uh, which is nice. I I think the, the fear of having a player show is that it just becomes boilerplate content and, and kids speak the right cliches and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And and Ken walks a pretty good line between giving you interesting answers but not something that's going to put him in the coach's office on, on Tuesday morning. Uh, so he's been a dream to work with. He's a kid that I really just have tons of respect for, uh, and he's a guy that I think is going to do well after Vanderbilt, whether his future is pro football or it's something else. And what can you tell us about him maybe on the field? I know he was a guy, uh, got to see him when he was really young playing last year. Um, you know, I, I, I thought he's he's got some upside to him. He obviously yeah. has some ability. Sharp kid, as you said. Um, clearly, I mean, it, it all works together. you got to have 11 guys on offense if it's ever going to come together. But what what have you seen from, from him on the field this year? Well, let's – let me – redirect the question a little bit. He's not had a very good year. Um, And if you watch him some weeks, you wouldn't come away impressed. I would tell people, if you want to see what he can do, go back to last year and watch the middle of last season before they pulled the Sarah Fuller stunt Mm -hmm. and blew up the team. Um, I think that he did a great job when he had time. He didn't have a great offensive line, but he figured some things out. Now this year, I don't think that Vintage Peyton Manning could win behind that offensive line. Um, they have little time to throw. Their offensive system is really complicated. Um, if you watch, almost all their throws go outside the hash marks. They run these routes where it you, you throw the ball 30 yards to gain five, or, or sometimes you throw it 40 to make 15. 
They don't use the middle of the field where they've got Cam Johnson, who's a really good slot receiver, who never drops the ball. They don't use Ben Bresnahan, who I think is a tight end who's got a shot to be in camp somewhere um, with somebody. that This season, he's done almost nothing for them, and he's been hurt. So I, I say that to say, if you turn on the TV and you watch him, you might not come away that impressed. But if you kind of know the context, that he's got no time to throw, uh, his best mm-hmm. running back is gone. Uh, they don't have – even the receivers who are probably the strength of the team, they're not up to speed with the rest of the kids in the league in terms of how fast they are. So the windows are really tight. Um, I, I don't think that his performance is indicative of the kind of player he is. And, again, you guys know I do a show with him. Um, I'm not trying to defend him, uh, but you just watch it for yourself. Watch how bad their offensive line is. And I just think it's going to be hard for any quarterback to win under those circumstances right now. So my two follow-ups for you, Chris, I did actually have it on my list to ask you about Ben Bresnahan, Um, guy that I've always kind of liked when you, when you watch him at, at, during his time at Vandy, a tough kid, can run. Um, and I heard you ask, about Clark, ask Clark Lee about him, about what it would take to get him more integrated during his press conference the other day. Kind of recap for people what Clark Lee said about Bresnahan. And then part two, um, what is the status of Rocco Griffin at running back for this weekend's game? Yeah, Clark addressed both those this week. He, he said with Bresnahan, they've got to get him more involved. They've they've had plans and things drawn up for him. I guess maybe the reads in the offense didn't get to him or, or whatever. It, it was kind of a vague answer, but the way that he answered the question indicated to me that, yeah, we know we've got a tight end that we need to use more. Uh, he runs – I'm not going to say he's a leak. He's not like Jake Weidermeyer or someone, but when he gets the ball in his hands, he can run a little bit and make things happen. And frankly, I thought he and Cam Johnson would maybe be two of the five best players on the team this year. Uh, and and again, by design of the offense and the way the plays are called, they've been reduced to almost nothing. Uh, as far as Rocco Griffin goes, Clark Lee said on Tuesday that he thought he would play, that he's feeling better. Um, they're down to, I think, three scholarship running backs. And Dylan Betts, ball, Dylan Betts Polly is not a running back. He's a, a fullback at best. Um Patrick Smith got a much bigger workload last week, and I think at this point he's the best back they've got left on the team. I don't even think they've got a walk-on left. So I think they're down to – well, I, I forget. James Ziegler has been moved from defensive back before the season. So they've got four running backs total. Uh, Betts Polly shouldn't see the field. And so they're just in a world of hurt there. And I think if they get Griffin back, he's got a little bit of quickness. He can help them a little bit. But I bet you – that going forward, Patrick Smith is going to be their main guy, and he was a week ago. Again, we're joined by Chris Lee, VandySports.com. Uh, Chris, let, let's switch it over to the defensive side, man. Uh, are are there some strengths on, on that side of the ball? How has the defensive front played? Uh, you know, that, that's something I, I know Shane Beamer mentioned. There are a couple of guys up front that he, he thought looked the part. Um, what, what have you seen as Clark Lee has started to implement uh, – you know, his sort of defensive philosophies over there. And and are there some, are there any positives on that side of the ball? It's hard to find much. They're just not very talented. Uh, they probably get more talent on the defensive line than anywhere else. They've got kids that have played at Ohio State and Florida, but it just hasn't translated. Injuries have had something to do with that. They've got some kids at linebacker that I like. Uh, Anthony Orgeny has done some things at times. Ethan Barr is a solid player. He's not very fast, but he handles the business in front of him pretty well. 
Dericky Wright's a kid who played a lot last week, who I think is the most talented player on their defense. He's been hurt most of the year. He can help them. Their defensive backs just are not very fast. They don't have a lot of talent on this team. I mean, the highest-graded guy at Pro Football Focus on the team this year is Nate Clifton, who's a defensive lineman who was a two-star kid, got an offer the last week of the late signing period a couple years ago. Uh, and really not a kid that I thought would make a huge impact, but he's starting and he's grading out well. He's not spectacular, but I think that right there kind of tells you where they are, that that a two-star guy is is their best player, according to PFF. Uh, they just lack so much in terms of strength. Uh, I'll give you one more name. Davion Davis in the middle of the defensive line has played pretty well at times, but they just don't have the talent that other teams in the league have. Uh, they can't get a pass rush. They don't have any speed in the secondary, and that's just a really tough combination to overcome. Chris, um, DeRicky Wright, by the way, a guy that South Carolina fans should probably remember. Wes, you remember him from the recruiting process, kid out of Alabama, I think, big you know, rangy, tall kid that can play a variety of positions. Not surprised that he's he's been doing well there when he's when he's healthy. But uh, Chris, tell us a little bit stylistically. And you, you hit on this some with the offense and what they scheme, but you know, defensively, offensively, what can Gamecock fans expect when this Vandy team takes the field in terms of what the scheme looks like? Are they aggressive? Do they sit back? Just give us a sense of that for for Saturday's game. I don't think they're super aggressive, which kind of surprised me based on what I saw in fall camp. Now, look, I think a lot of the stunts and twists and things they did in fall camp that landed, um, you know, I, I went into the season thinking, okay, maybe they can do some stuff here with an Anthony Orgy or a Ricky Wright. And as you got in the season, it just became clear that what worked in camp was probably because their line just couldn't block anybody. And so it's – I think they've had maybe three or four sacks all year. I think two of them came in the UConn game. Uh, they do have some defensive backs who can make some plays at times. Uh, Jalen Mahoney, I forgot to mention him. He's from your home state. Mm-hmm. He's had a nice year at times. He's had a couple of picks. Uh, he's played reasonably well. I think a lot of times he'll line up on the slot guy. But they just don't have the talent uh, that other teams in the league have. I, again, I know Carolina is in a down cycle and and – you know, it's been a struggle for them. But I think when you see them take the field on Saturday, you'll notice that there's a, a pretty good difference in athleticism between where Carolina's at and where Vandy is. And I just think when that's the lot that you're stuck with, it's really hard to to do that. I mean, when you're having trouble getting pressure and your DBs are, are not fast enough to cover SEC-level receivers – um, that's just a really tough combination to overcome. And they're going to have to figure something out to, to maybe surprise teams, whether that's corner blitzes or safety blitzes, or doing something that they haven't shown. Because really, you know, even against UConn, they gave up, I think, 525 yards to what's probably the worst team in, in the FBS. And, and I, I just think that kind of tells you where they are. Chris, a uh, final thing for me here, man. Uh, Let's go into the actual game itself. Any uh, any key matchups or or even a prediction you want to make about how just how you feel this game will play out on Saturday? Well, I think if Vanderbilt's got a chance, it's got to avoid mistakes. It's got to get some turnovers. It's got to catch Carolina on an off day. And I know Carolina's running game has not gotten going, so I think you you hope to get them behind the chains. And I'll say this: their defense has played hard and and been respectable in spots. They just don't have a lot of playmakers. I think the spread in this game is is about right. Um, you know, people have asked me, hey, 18's a lot of points for Carolina to cover. Um, and and if you'd only watch Carolina, I would 
I would think that too. But I, I just, again, I've seen both teams play. Um, if Vanderbilt was able to win Saturday, it's going to shock me just because I don't think they've got the athletes that, that Carolina has. If, if they win it, it's going to have to be one of those ugly games where they catch a break, they bust a play, they probably put up a, a crooked number and turnover margin. And, and absent that, I, I just don't see a real path to them given a talent discrepancy. Chris, appreciate your time today, man. I know you got actually a flight to catch, safe travels to you. So I appreciate you uh, joining us today for all the insight. Uh, Tell us where everybody can find your work, where they can follow you guys on social media there at Vandy Sports. Yeah, we're we're at VandySports.com. You can follow us. I think it's VandySportsDOT.com on Twitter. Um, We'll have full coverage of the game. I unfortunately, (laughs) I think you guys know this, I've got a nephew who plays at Wyoming. I get sparing chances to see him. So I'm going to play see him play this weekend. I've got a couple guys covering for me. We've got a former player in Bruno Reagan who breaks it down really well. Um, and a guy named Sean Williams, who's my right-hand man. So they're going to have us covered. I would usually do the games, but not this week. Uh, but I will be writing some things leading up to the game uh, today and tomorrow uh, that I'll probably be filing on the plane. So um, we'll have everybody covered. It may not have my name on it for Saturday, uh, but, but we'll have a wrap-up nonetheless. Yeah, Sean, a guy we've met several times at the Rivals camp. Great dude. Uh, does a great job for you guys as well. And uh, g- good luck to the nephew, man. That, that's a cool, uh, cool opportunity for you. Yeah, he, he's a walk-on who turned it into a scholarship, who turned it into a starting job. And wow. uh, this is last year of football. It's a long trip. I'm going to be sitting uh, while you guys are sitting whatever you're in. I'm, I may be in the 20s uh, out in Laramie in, in uh, 7,200 feet. So, uh, yeah, it'll it'll be – my experience on game day is going to be a little different than yours. <laughs> yeah, Yes, it will. But it uh, sounds enjoyable, man. We appreciate it. Safe flight, and uh, uh, thanks for the time again, Chris. Hey, thank you. Yeah, good stuff there. Chris Lee, VandySports.com. Um, that's cool, man. Have, have you ever been – Chris Clark, have you ever been to Wyoming? I have not been. It is it is most definitely on the list. And so I'll, I'll get I'll get Chris's review. I know a couple of other people who've been out to Wyoming. Uh, I definitely haven't planned to go out there. So Chris will have to worry more, it sounds like, about uh, not whether or not there's a mask mandate, but an oxygen mask inside that stadium. He's going to be at a high elevation. And, it, dude, if anybody's ever been, like, I haven't been out there, but like in Colorado, like you go skiing and it's like up there and it's snowing. I mean, you're like taking steps. And at least me, I was like, I felt like I'd just, I'd been running and I was just walking. So oxygen mask for Chris, 20 degrees. Wow. That's cold. Yeah. That's a whole nother world, man. Uh, good stuff from Chris Lee. I, I was laughing at this comment from, uh, from Charles here. Is this guy sure he's a Vanderbilt fan? First of all, you know, it's it's different covering the team than it is being a fan, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, you know, that being said, though, everybody everybody that covers a team takes on a little different approach to it, a little different personality to it. Um, you know, I think most people would probably look at what Chris and I say and be like, you know, those guys are a little more positive. There's other people in South Carolina media that, not going to name any names, that they'd look at and be like, you know, that person's a little more – uh, you know, they critique a little bit tougher. They're a little bit more negative. Um, Chris Lee, though, is maybe one of the most objective, like, calls it how he sees it people yeah. that I that I have ever seen um, do this. 
And y'all, I mean, I, you know, Chris was making fun of me a little bit earlier because, uh, you know, I've, I've sounded so confident that South Carolina is going to beat Vanderbilt, which I am. I'm, I'm extremely confident in that because I, I just, I don't think Vanderbilt is any good. Not, not that South Carolina has proved that it's great, but I just, I think it's a very, very, very bad tennis or Vanderbilt team coming in, um, to williams Bryce Stadium, road game, no real confidence, new staff. Um, Ken Seals hasn't been able to do a whole lot, again, like Chris Lee said. That's because largely because of what's around him. You know, you want to get into matchups. I expect South Carolina's defensive line to dominate Vanderbilt's offensive line. Doesn't look like a very good receiver core anyway. They have some size, but um, haven't really really been able to get anything going on that side. Their best running back is hurt. Uh, their defense is slow. Um, it, it's just, it, it's a really, I, I've, I've thought it's a really tough matchup for Vanderbilt. And then Chris Lee comes in and makes me feel even more confident in South Carolina <laughs> because yeah. he struggled to tell us one thing positive uh, that's going on at Vanderbilt right now. Well, I mean, that's understandable. Now, this team did. You know, I think through the first week or so of the season or even preseason, you're sitting there looking at Vandy going, are there any wins on the schedule for this team? Turns out Colorado State, pretty bad, right? So they were able to actually go on the road, and I think they won that game 24-21. to Then you had the toilet bowl with UConn, which they were able to win, what, by two? I think they squeaked that one out at the end. late on on a final drive. Yeah, final drive. What, field goal, right? Um, And uh, so UConn's horrendous, as we know. 500 I did not know that stat Vandy gave up 500 something yards to UConn that's brutal that's good news for a Gamecock offense that's really struggled but yeah I mean Chris definitely calls it like it is man he 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 has covered Vandy for a long time so that's why I mean he's our go-to he knows exactly kind of the progression of how things got to where they are and it's a very difficult job I thought it was really neat that he went into some of the deeper reasons as to why the job is so difficult, a lot of it having to do with the high academic standards and lack of commitment to football. But where it's ended up is this just isn't a very talented team. We know that South Carolina's talent level over the past few years has slipped from what it was, say, at the height of the Steve Spurrier era or even, you know, a few seasons ago. But this is still a team that on paper has more talent. And that's the area, the area you mentioned, Wes, the South Carolina defensive line versus the Vandy offensive line. I almost look at that as kind of how we did in the ECU game, right? We were looking at that, and, and ECU probably a better team than Vandy, right? ECU was a concerning game for some different reasons, but we ultimately thought that South Carolina would be able to win that game because we thought the defensive line would be able to overwhelm the ECU front. There were some weaknesses there. Um, when you look at Vandy, haven't been able to score that O-line matchup. The O-line, maybe their weak link on their team, South Carolina's strong point on their team, the defensive line. So that, I think, is where you're going to have to butter your bread for the Gamecocks. Then you just got to go and play a, a clean game. Go score some. I don't know that anybody's expecting South Carolina to go score 38 points on Saturday, right? I mean, if they did, fantastic. I am. You are? Yes. Ooh. I am. Do you see? Okay. No, I am. I I 100% am. Okay. I, uh, I, I've been going back and forth on my score. Uh, 
I, I think South Carolina wins 38-7, 38 10. Okay. All right. All right. Listen. I'm listening. Florida won 42 to nothing. Not and again, I, I know that none of this stuff transfers directly over. The transitive property does not apply to football. But to me, you can look at trends in football. And to, uh, dude, a 42 to nothing game means and I I actually did watch a, I watched a portion of that game. I did not I've not watched the entire game. So I don't know exactly at what point they got to 42. But if you win 42 to nothing, you probably could have scored more. Uh, but point yeah. being, they gave up 42 to Florida. They gave up uh, 28 to that UConn team that uh, that we just talked about. They gave up 62 to Georgia. They gave up 41 to Stanford, 21 to Colorado State in the one other game they've won, and gave up 23 points to East Tennessee State. To me, I, I know I know South Carolina's offense. We've we've talked honestly. We've talked too much about South Carolina's offense to this point. It hasn't been great, but South Carolina's offense should be. A, it, you know, we try to be realistic. We try to give you realistic expectations, Chris. I I think South Carolina's offense that that is my expectation that they will score at least thirty five points this week. Um, I could in in Monday afternoon tell me if i am dead wrong tell me but i'm sure somebody will i think we uh i think we should ex- i think we should expect south Carolina to win this game and get get into the 30s offensively i mean south Carolina last year blew out vanderbilt in nashville ran the ball down their throats i i saw enough signs not that that was the same team as it is this year i saw enough signs of progress from the running game this past week against tennessee that based on the matchup this week, I think you will see continued success in the running game. Now, you know, if, if they have to grind out a 17 to 13 type win um, this week, then I personally will be resetting my expectations again yeah. because I'm just off on, on how I see this team. Because I think Vandy, Vandy has kind of showed us who they are, Chris. And, and Chris Lee sort of he sort of laid it out like I, I I believe him when he says that the two teams are going to run out there and we're going to notice the difference physically and athletically. Um, you know the guy's been covering Vanderbilt and covering SEC football for a long time. I believe him when he says that. So, um, dude, I, I haven't gotten my exact numbers as far as my prediction. I'm going to put on paper yet, but 38. It was funny you said it. Thirty-eight was the number I've been toying with in my head. Yeah, and and I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to go through, and I got a little bit more Vandy watching to do. Obviously, I've watched all of South Carolina this year multiple times. Um, as Shane Beamer pointed, I am one of those. If Shane Beamer, I'm sure Beamer's listening in the midst of his uh, Vandy prep. Wes and I are two of the people that do go through and rewatch every play multiple times, as he pointed out in his press conference. Not sure if he was serious on that, but we do. So um, I, I got a little bit more Vandy to watch. It's just, I mean, Wes, South Carolina against any level of competition this year. And I know Vandy's on even a different level than uh, a Troy or an ECU, right? Are they better than EIU defensively? I would think so. I would think so. Athletically, are they better? I'm sure they are. Right. 
Which, Are they which, a better defense right now? <laughs> I mean, yeah. You, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm being skewed by Chris Lee, but whew. no. I mean, no. I mean, look, Chris. Chris has a, has a great feel for Vandy, and and he and he doesn't just watch Vandy. You know, like you said, he pays attention to the rest of the SEC. South Carolina's offensive performance has just not inspired me until they do it. Yeah, do it against somebody, somebody, anybody, right? That they're going to go out and have. 35 or 38 points wouldn't be a scoring explosion, you know, given the opponent. But I I still don't know if I can get there. Maybe I will by the time I finish watching Vandy, by the time it's time to send in my prediction to you tomorrow morning, I might be there. But I, I don't know. And you're right. You make a good point. I mean, if this is a grinded out win for South Carolina, the offense turns it over a couple of times and they fizzle out once they get to the 50 and, and they go three and out a few times, they do that, you're right. You got to reset expectations again. You got to reset them backwards because then you start looking at where are any other wins this year, you know? So we'll talk about that next Monday if it comes to that. I, I'm with you. I think this is a South Carolina win. I do very kind of skeptically say I think it ends up being a comfortable win, but I'm, I'm going to have to think a little bit more on the offensive production. I got you. I feel you. I'm I, I'm I'm debating. I go back and forth on if this is going to be a game where Vandy is able to move the football a little bit, um, you know, put the ball in the end zone, uh, you know, get maybe into that 10, 14, 17 category. They, they haven't been very explosive either from what I've seen. So, um, you know, I, I look at teams like that. I say, can they grind out drives? That seems to be a no. But do they have the ability – to, to maybe hit a couple of deep plays on you and, and still basically still a, a score or two. Um, you can always have bus. You know, your secondary could always just have a bus. Like, that's a part of it. Uh, you know, that's part of playing the game. They're human beings. So, it's very difficult to give an actual score that's accurate. But I I, I don't know, man. I just – I don't see Vandy being an offense that can, can score very much against South Carolina uh, for all the reasons that have been laid out. And – I just I don't know if, if South Carolina can't move the ball this week offensively on a fairly consistent basis, then it is probably going to struggle to move the football um, a, a lot down the stretch. And obviously, that's not going out on any type of limb to to say that by any means. It, it's is predicting thirty eight. Is that is that on a limb? I I I didn't even think that was too controversial to say it, that. You know. Probably not, given the matchup. Like, if you'd done it against, I don't know, even pick, even as bad as Missouri's defense has been, like you look at that Tennessee game, I don't even know if I'd sit here and say, okay, 38 points on Missouri's defense, right? Like, I don't even know if I would do that. Given the matchup with Vandy, given the fact that their offense has been pretty bad, South Carolina should be able to make some things happen there. Maybe you get better field position, maybe you get more opportunities, right? I wouldn't say going out on a limb. I mean, you're not calling for 60 or something, right? <laughs> but, but I mean, it, it might what be. I call for 42? Is that a limb? Oh, here we go. You just go no, start. I want to know where the where the threshold is. Well, I mean, okay, so they, they scored 48 against EIU, right? Um, and that was, let, let's remind ourselves of, of what that was. One defensive score in there. Yeah, so one defensive score, um, a, a two-point conversion on the first, you know, on that first touchdown. So you you say, what, 40 points, 
against EIU on offense. That was also a month and a half ago. Like, if you haven't gotten somewhat more comfortable in what you're doing offensively by now, then... Well, I, I think you look at it a couple ways. You know, there's a comfort level. Sure, everybody's probably more comfortable, but has the production gone up substantially? I mean... It will this week. Yeah, it, it could. I, I, so I'm just trying for the purposes of like setting this line of the expectations. You know, EIU was so outmanned, like from a physical standpoint. And that game got away, and South Carolina ran what two different types of run plays. Like They're fairly vanilla in that game. They could have scored more probably against CIU. That was the only game in which there was some, you know, sustained or explosive success in the running game. That's probably the closest comp that we have to Vandy, unless you count – I mean, Troy's defense is probably better than Vandy, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, Even if they're not talent-wise, you know, necessarily wow. better, I think Troy – Play, plays better like they they yeah. are they're molded they play within their scheme they know where they're supposed to be uh better and they honestly the more i talk it talk through it they they do have they have some better playmakers on defense than vandy uh that yeah. middle linebacker um yeah. and that edge rusher of theirs is starting right now for vandy if if the yeah. rosters are, are flipped well, and you look at it, and you know, Vandy gave up. Chris pointed out five hundred and something yards to UConn, which is atrocious. UConn averaged uh, over five yards a carry. They had five point two yards a carry against Vandy. Florida the previous weekend uh, averaged, I think, five point three. Right, and so this is, look, everything lines up for this could be the week for South Carolina to have that breakout offensive performance. Not that that means it's going to apply to any other game on the schedule. Just like the results of the EIU game, that offensive production has not applied in any other game because of the competition level. So I, I would say it. I mean, I don't think you're being unreasonable at all saying 35, 38. Get up into the 40s, probably a little rich for me because regardless of competition level, we could still see some of the same stuff we've seen. You know, uh, missed assignments, mental mistakes, penalties. Like a lot of that has been part of it, of the offensive struggles. And that's been regardless of opponent, you know. And so you can overcome those things a little more when you're playing a Vandy, a EIU, or even a Troy or ECU. You can overcome those a little bit more. But until those things go away and until they have sustained success, you know, it's, it's just a little harder for me to say, yeah, they're going to get up in the 40s. Yeah, I, I just – I'm a big believer in complementary football as well. And I think that, um, you know, against like, for your example, Missouri – even if they're struggling on defense, I imagine Missouri's offense is going to be able to move the football um, to an extent, uh, probably against most teams, actually, but to certainly to an extent against South Carolina's defense, whereas I could see Vandy really, you know, I, I think they had one first down their first three or four drives at, at Florida. Like, I, I could see Vandy punting the ball right back to South Carolina. And really, that if you're not a great, super explosive offense um, – that that's how you put up points. Like we like to look at it as as a pure, you know, how many points did the offense score? How many points did the defense give up? When really those things are tied together to an extent. The more opportunities the defense can get you with good field position and with quick three and outs or four or five and outs, as opposed to long extended drives, the more opportunities your your offense is going to have to uh, to put up some points. Vandy also 
a horrific game last week on special teams from what I read. So that's that's maybe in our uh, – I guess we need to have a Pete Limbo segment every single week, but um, maybe another opportunity there for South Carolina to find an edge. In fact, I'd be a little bit surprised if they didn't at least have some edge on special teams. Doesn't necessarily mean you get a huge play, but uh, I think they'll have an edge again this week. Um what what else you got, man? We uh we didn't talk to you after the press conferences yesterday, OC DC. Um, by the way, I, I don't think we're gonna go a full hour um today. We'll probably cut it here pretty soon. Um, but man, what uh what was there was there anything from Sat or from Clayton White that uh, caught your attention? Uh, you know, Mike and I talked about it a pretty good bit yesterday. Obviously, those guys, both of them, kind of owning some decisions there, um, you know, the goal line play sat on that said, you know, looking back, if I had a do over, I'd run it in. Uh, Clayton white said, um, you know, there, there were some guys at times lined up with more cushion than really they, they had designed for it to be, but that it's on him as a coach to, you know, to make sure guys are are lined up correctly as far as their alignment goes. Uh, Were there any other takeaways from you, man? Yeah, I mean, that was the main one. And look, there's been plenty of ownership. Like, I don't think anybody would watch, meaning fans, would watch a Marcus Satterfield press conference and go, this guy's making excuses or blah, 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 right? I mean, the the press conferences have been pretty informative, whether it's Limbo, Clayton White, Shane Beamer, Marcus Satterfield. But ultimately what people want is production. Like, it's got to get better. So the first two questions, of course, uh, were about the the two-point play. And then also, I think the next one was the on Joiner play that preceded, not the two-point play, the play down on the two is what I went to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the play before that, which was the on Joiner diamond formation play. So just getting some explanations there. He did own them, like you said. I thought, Wes, just more, the, the things that stood out to me were just him being asked about the comfort level and knowing what players can do. Because Shane Beamer had mentioned during his Tuesday press conference the day before that, you know, coaches are still learning, uh, still kind of feeling things out. I can't remember the exact terminology. Satterfield kind of said, we, we know what these guys can do, you know, and he seemed to put it a little bit more on the execution side of it. Um, not that he said every play call that I made was perfect because he obviously owned some of those situations, such as the Jordan Birch ill-fated interception. But I think him explaining some of what he's seeing one thing that really stands out in, in admission, not that this is brand new, that South Carolina's had to really kind of scheme ways to get the ball on the perimeter because they've struggled so bad running the ball. You know, um, the the zone plays that they've called, there have been some different issues there, whether it's the back, whether it's the offensive lineman missing a block, not blocking the right guy. They just haven't been able to get on track in the run game. And so as a result of that, you have to be able to run the ball against the competition level they're playing. That's why we've seen some different schemes, whether it was like the Josh Van reverses against Troy, the Juju McDowell stuff with the outside zone stretch play, or some of the little pop passes, trying to find ways to get on the perimeter. And so I just took away from it, Wes, that there's still – there's still execution problems and that's kind of what the coaching staff seems to be putting it more on, but also owning some of the the calls that they would like to have back. This is a low margin of error offense. They've had too many problems with penalties and holding the ball too long and missing guys. And all those little things have added up 
you know, over time. So not sure if Ty Adams is here today. Regardless, we are going to tell the people about Dead Soxie. GamecockCentral.com's partner with Dead Soxie once again for the 2021 football season. Go there, check out their entire catalog of men's and women's socks, athletics, dress socks, no-shows, all with the buttery soft feel and the patented no-slip technology. Good news is you can get 25% off your order with the promo code COCKY on DeadSoxy.com. Appreciate those guys. And we also, Chris, uh, appreciate our friends at Promo Gourmet. When we had Chris Lee on earlier, that was brought to you on our Promo Gourmet guest line. And any chat that we pull up is um, part of our Promo Gourmet chat line. So we appreciate Promo Gourmet. Chris, lunch today, I had the salmon with uh, rice and broccoli. I'm not a big veggies guy, so I appreciate Promo Gourmet making sure that I get my veggies, man. Uh, it was a great meal. Uh, me and uh, Mackenzie both had Prama Gourmet meals for dinner last night, so appreciate Prama Gourmet being another outstanding sponsor for us right here on GC Live. And we do uh, – I tell you what, anytime we have a sponsor, we want for there to be a deal for you guys so that you uh, you are taking advantage of it as well. And I promise you I got it here somewhere. There it is, PramaGourmetSC.com. Use code GCOCK20 to get, uh, is that 20% off first uh, purchase? I think it's either 20 or 25%. You'll get, you'll get some, you'll get a discount on your first purchase. So we appreciate all those sponsors. And guess what? We appreciate all of you uh, for supporting Gamecock Central and for supporting uh, GC Live, our podcast here every single day. Um, Tomorrow, we will actually be joined by Preston Thorne, former Gamecock, uh, to talk about a number of topics for us. And I, I didn't mention him earlier because we had Chris Lee on. As you know, you already know this. Our man is Clint Hammond, the presenting sponsor of GC Live. NMLS number 71597. One of my best friends in the world just bought a house through Clint. Completely smooth process, as you would expect. Clint can do that for you as well. Shoot him an email, chammond at mortgagenetwork.com, or just give him a call, 803-422-6797. More information on clinthammond.com. Uh, for Chris, I'm Wes. We're going to get out of here. Chris is going to go uh, watch a little bit more Vandy and and sort of dive in and and, and get a score and, and tell you that Wes is right, that South Carolina is going to score 38 points on Saturday. So until then, he's Chris. I'm Wes. And we'll see you Friday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.